there are many jumps in the Bible, gigantic leaps. And one of the biggest is from last week to this week. Seven days ago, if you were in this place, Jesus was a child in a manger, and strange travelers on camels had tracked him down by following a star. We marked a feast called Epiphany. Today, in the church calendar, we remember the baptism of Jesus. Jesus has shot up. In a week, he is a grown man in his mid to late 20s, standing by the Jordan River, where he wants his preacher friend John to baptize him. You're kidding me, says John, looking at him. You should be baptizing me, not me baptizing you. John feels he's not worthy. He has what today we call imposter syndrome. Like many of us, he feels he's about to be found out. Get over yourself, says Jesus. Maybe this is how things were meant to play out. Now, get me under the water before I change my mind. And so Jesus tiptoes out over the muddy banks and into the water. And when he is up to his waist, John stands behind him, puts his hands in the small of his back and says, Okay, you asked for it. And in the safe hands of John, Jesus falls backward into the water and goes down and under and out of sight. And perhaps John holds him there for a second longer than he needs to. And everyone looking on from the bank side holds their own breath in solidarity. And then John pulls Jesus up again, out of the dark, back into the air and the light, back into this life. His sodden tunic clinging to his body, wet hair straggling his face, Jesus is disorientated. The midday sun hits the water running off his head into his eyes, and the sky seems to be lower than usual, as if heaven is close and has a word for him. Beloved is the word he hears. As if heaven is saying, you're caught up in love. Everyone, everything is caught up in love. And Jesus understands that he is here for a purpose, and the purpose is love. Most Christians have been baptized as a child when we didn't know what was happening, or as an adult when we thought we did. Baptism is known as a sacrament, something we take part in during this obvious life, which connects us to the other, less obvious life. For people choosing to follow in Jesus' way of peace and justice, baptism is credentials, it's ID, it's passport. Which country are you from? The country of peace, the country of love, the country of mercy, the country Jesus spoke about. Baptism is a mark of dual citizenship, multiple identity. It's a sign of being a citizen, both of this world that we live in and of this other world that we long for. Or maybe baptism is like the scaffolding in that beautiful Seamus Heaney poem, Never fear, we may let the scaffolds fall, confident that we have built our wall. Unless they ask, most people won't know that we were once baptised, but we know that such scaffolding helped us shape the life that we try and live of peace and mercy. My most recent baptism was last October. It was in a paddling pool in Trafalgar Square on a Tuesday morning. The day before, a few of us from this place had gathered on Lambeth Bridge in the middle of the road, along with several hundred others from different faith communities. It was the start of a week of actions by Extinction Rebellion to close down bridges in London and attract attention to the climate emergency that none of us really wants to believe we're living in. Ours was called the Faith Bridge, and we strung up our prayer flags, 
some of them were made in this place, over the road between the traffic lights, and we sat down and we stopped the traffic. We took part in the Muslim call to prayer. We sang Jewish hymns. We were quiet for a Buddhist meditation. We were invited to bow down, to kneel and touch the ground with our heads, noticing the ground beneath our feet, sensing the River Thames running below. There were rallying speeches from development agencies, and we sang gospel songs and protest songs and prayer songs. And eventually, this is when I realized the extent of the emergency, we sang 1970s evangelical choruses. <laughs> People were arrested and carted off, not for that. <laughs> People were arrested and carted off. And the police regained control and everyone scattered. And next day, the Faith Bridge community had relocated to Trafalgar Square, which had become a huge Extinction Rebellion camp. People cooking their meals, doing their washing, giving out leaflets, saying their prayers. The, the roads were all shut down, and on the ground opposite Waterstones, there was a children's paddling pool with a sign reading baptism, like that one on your service sheet. And a man in a clerical collar with a commanding Yorkshire accent was telling everyone that baptism is about repentance, changing direction, and now is the time for this world to repent, to change direction and avert climate catastrophe. We have to repent, he said, from the unholy trinity of unregulated capitalism, rampant consumerism, and selfish individualism. At first, I thought he was nuts. And then I thought, he's probably John the Baptist. I wasn't planning on getting baptized, but something about it rang true. And I was reminded that I also had some repenting to do. My work has meant I've been on too many planes in the last year or two, and some days I am scarlet with flight shame. Fortunately, you don't have to be perfect to be baptized. You just have to believe that another world is possible and commit to get there. As I stood with a dozen others around this paddling pool, the maverick minister started baptizing us and then inviting us to baptize others. I baptized a stranger next to me in the name of God and her fragile earth and a few of the ways I understand her. In the early days of what we now call Christianity, they used to have massive arguments and one of them was about why Jesus got baptized. After all, baptism followed repentance of sins, and Jesus wasn't a sinner, was he? Asking Jesus to repent would be like asking Shakespeare to take GCSE English. <laughs> the problem for the early church, like it was for the punctual church, and for ourselves, the fashionably late church, the problem was that they could only look back at Jesus. They could only see Jesus through the lens of his life of beautiful story and miracle his extraordinary death and breathtaking return. They knew more about Jesus than Jesus had known about himself. What they didn't consider is that Jesus maybe didn't quite know what he was doing. He was human, like the rest of us. He didn't know if his prayers for this blind person would really bring back their sight, or if he'd, he would get away with it if he lost his rag with the traders in the temple. But Jesus was a reflective person, someone who could pray for days, he read the scriptures in the synagogue and he listened to the rabbis. He wondered about the kind of salvation everybody was waiting for. Plus, there were all these stories about him from when he was a baby. And there was that way that his mother looked at him sometimes as if she knew something he didn't. By your late 20s, you have some kind of clue about your strengths and weaknesses, about how you're made, about what you might do, as the poet puts it, with your one wild and precious life. And at some point, you have to go for it. 
And that's Jesus asking John to put him under the water. He was saying that all of us need a moment when we go public with who we are and the world that we long for. That's what people being baptized in a paddling pool in Trafalgar Square were saying. We're with Greta Thunberg in Sweden and Hilda Flavia Nakaboy in Uganda. We're with the school climate strikers, with those resisting the way that history is being shaped. It's not about being perfect or having all the answers. When Jesus came to John to be baptized, he wasn't signaling how bad he was, but how good he wanted to be. He was aligning himself with a movement for change, which at the time John was leading. Jesus was beginning to see more clearly what John saw through a glass darkly, a vision of a new world where the sick are healed, the poor are lifted up, and the forgotten are remembered. A vision where people together look after the good earth and understand that the good, the good earth will look after us. Everything needs to start, and baptism is saying, this is how we start. Writers will sometimes say they don't know what they think about something until they start to write it down. And baptism is writing faith down, starting to find out what the journey with God is about, where she will take you. It's less about who you have been before that counts and more about who you are going to be now. And in a month like January, baptism is a resolution, a resolution for the rest of your life. We resolve to live our life for God, and we mean to, even though we will fail many times every day. This week, the campaign group Operation Noah published its Epiphany Declaration for Fossil-Free Churches. Twenty Christian organizations promised to disinvest from fossil fuels, and this church is one of the signatories, a commitment which sprang from a series of meetings in the past year and a recent PCC resolution. A news report this week quoted Sarah Robry from our PCC, who said, we were aiming to stand in solidarity with the climate vulnerable around the world and with young people who are likely to suffer disproportionately. We hope, she said, this declaration will inform our action and our worship and that many other churches will join us in going fossil fuel free. It's a commitment that will inform where we get our energy from, who we bank with, what kind of organizations might use this building. These are questions we all have to figure out, the kind raised in our season of no ordinary time last year about the food we eat, the transport we use, the money we spend. This may take us a lifetime to answer, and many of our resolutions will fail. But the mistake is to think that failure is the opposite of success. Failure is just the place where we start again. In baptism, we believe that another world is possible, and we commit together to try and get there. Thank you.